This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like any sure. Yeah. Yeah. With Ken Laird. A bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. He's a mess. Yeah. Lace him up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. 23rd of July, 2019, another exciting edition of the Skate Podcast. Ken Laird and Matt Cowan from WEI.com. Tough to top last week's guest, Jermaine Wiggins. <laughs> what about putting Bergeron on the trading block, right? What a uh, clickbait force that was. Yes, it was clickbait. We were we got you all. We, you know what's funny is that every person that complained about clickbait... Clickbait city took the bait. And... As we pointed out over and over, we're just uh, fans of free speech. We wanted to give Wiggy his platform. We did so. This week's guest uh, rivals Wiggy in terms of hockey notoriety, I would say, in this town. There's no doubting that. Whether he'll Absolutely. have the hot takes that Wiggy had a week ago, that remains yeah, to be his taste can be pretty hot. I mean, uh, not, to, not to ruin the surprise, but uh, someone who works with Michael Felger, so he knows how to spin up a hot take now and then. And Dead. Splat. Splat. Uh, actually, the founding father of... Uh, Sunday Skate. Correct. The founding father, as I'm aware of, uh, Sunday Skate. DJ Bean, now of NBC Sports Boston, joins us here on the show this week. I believe, unless, DJ, there was somebody before you I'm not aware of. Oh, no. That was, uh, that we, we were the OG crew. Good times. And who was we? You and Pete? No, Pete, Pete joined late. No, it was me and Joey Mack. Yeah. And Joey Mack, uh, I'd never met Pete. Joey Mack was like, we should find a way to get that Pete Blackburn kid involved. I heard Marshan has a broken hand. And then he came in, and he was awesome, and he brought us muffins and started a pop culture podcast with me, and uh, now he's everything I have. Right. That pop culture podcast needs no uh, plug from me, but it's called Brunch, and it is uh, very—it's so uh, hip, I I don't even—like—it's beyond me. Basically, the last, like, 16 episodes have been about Midsommar, so if uh, (laughs) you you guys want a couple of Freddy Cats talking about horror movies that they can't analyze at all, that's that's the place to go. I want to say this. Off the top, why did everybody have such a strong reaction to the Wiggy's take? I love Wiggy, and he's a hell of a hockey player. People don't know that about him. Very, very good hockey player. He regularly has some hockey takes that will knock your socks off. He was saying that they should scratch Chara in the playoffs. So so when I hear uh, uh, a, a level 50 hockey take out of Wiggy, I'm like, hell yeah, that's just Wiggy doing what Wiggy does. If anybody thinks outside the box, nobody wants to hear it. Well, that's because everything, and this is uh, me being a 70-year-old man, is how can I turn this into a quote tweet? How can I turn this into really? Uh, it's we, we all need something to complain about. How can? But how could you complain about Wiggy? Well, that said, uh, since you went there, what do you make of his take? Would you trade Bergeron for Stamkos or Malkin? Oh, I mean, I would trade Bergeron for anything. The guy's terrible. you got to trade him. <laughs> uh, I, I totally agree with Wiggy's take. It's about time somebody <laughs> brings up uh, trading Bergeron. No, I, I wouldn't. Uh, and I don't know if, that, if either team would, would do that. If you're, you trade Steven Stamkos for Patrice Bergeron or if you trade Denny Malkin for Bergeron. Uh, I, I I appreciate Wiggy's outside the box thinking to to borrow a phrase from from Matt there, but I don't think trading a guy on that good a contract is how you solve 
your problems competitively or financially. I think that, that Bergeron, having Bergeron on the deal on which you have him, similarly to, to having Marchand and Pasternak on the deals on which you have them, are things that can make up for other shortcomings. Like They're the reason why you can spend a little too much money on another guy because you've got one of the best players in the world not making uh, an AAV commensurate with his performance. So I would I would not trade him. Okay, that's why I tried to rein Wiggy in and say that, you know, it wasn't necessarily about the specifics of trading a Patrice Bergeron. It was more about, you know, thinking outside the box, looking for these big trades and these big moves that get you over the top. You made it to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final and lost, and you needed scoring, so maybe this is the way to add to the scoring. Well, I don't know if you guys are in agreement with me on this, but I don't think there is a single move that you make that says, okay, bam, you're back in the Stanley Cup final. Or certainly not, uh, okay, now you're going to go win the Cup. There's no trade or signing you can make that's as big as the Lightning getting bounced in the first round. And I think that that's kind of a tough pill, tough pill for a lot of uh, fans to, to swallow because you saw the, the great run they went on, but it was a product of a lot of things bouncing right for them. Like I don't think that any of us thought, okay, the Bruins are – set it and forget it, Stanley Cup finalists. I think they needed the, the Lightning to lose in the first round, and if the Lightning hadn't lost in the first round, all the credit in the world to the, to the Blue Jackets and all the credit in the world to the Bruins for beating the, the Blue Jackets, but the Lightning would have beaten the Bruins again. Like if the, if the Lightning don't have that meltdown they had in the first round, they're probably beating you in the second round again. Now going forward, you're either presumably seeing the Lightning in the second round or you're seeing the Leafs in the first round, a Leafs team that yeah, you were underachieving when you were just barely getting by them the last couple of years. But say you don't underachieve. Say you play to your strengths next season against the Leafs in the first round. I think the Leafs can beat you now. I think it's it's the the Leafs have gotten to the point now where they're they're certainly the Bruins' peer, if not better. So I I don't think that there's one single move or really certainly leaving everything uh, as is where you say okay the the Bruins are going to go back to where they were last year. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly right. I mean, we talked about this last week is that, you know, you made it to Game 7 in the Seneca Final, and that's great, but do you really want to come back with exactly the same team and think that you're going to be there again? I mean, like you said, if Tampa doesn't lose in the first round again, you probably don't get out, out of the second round, and you were one game away for the second straight year of losing to Toronto in the first round. So, you know, you need to obviously improve somehow. I, I saw the, uh, the the NHL power rankings came out, the other, that, that tweet that everybody was, again, quote-tweeting and complaining about because there wasn't enough love for, for whichever team. But, I mean, they're on to something there where three of the top five teams in their power rankings are Atlantic Division teams. And ESPN, Emily Kaplan's power rankings, the top three teams are Atlantic Division teams. So wow. it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a commentary on the Bruins are bad. Like, right. I think that... I think that unequivocally you go throughout the league and people would, would estimate that they're at worst the fifth best team in the league, probably better than that. But the Lightning are ahead of them, and the, the Leafs are either right there with or right behind them. So like, there's, there's kind of no way out of that. I mean, you're, you're not going to make any trade that's going to uh, change up the, right. the, 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 uh, the landscape of the NHL and which teams play which and which teams are in which divisions. But that's the uh, – well, what, what's the word I can't – oh, alignment. You're not right. going to make a trade that, that realigns the NHL. Right. 
Yeah, and, and highlighting that, DJ, I mean, they, they have financial problems. I think that was the, word, the phrase you used. Just to, just to mm. take another kick at the can, you've got the Bacchus issue, you've got the RFA issue here with McAvoy and Carlo, you've got the future of Krug and Charlie Coyle to a lesser extent to decide. Of all those, um, what's the easiest to, to sift through? Because they're all pretty significant problems. The easiest to sift through is probably, I mean, getting Carlo is going to be an interesting contract. I feel like because I, I don't know if it's going to be similar to it would certainly be of of higher um, AAV. But did you see that the uh, the contract that Sisson signed today? Yeah, it was seven years at under three per. I don't think that Carlo is going to get under three million dollars. But I think that it, that if I'm the Bruins. I'm signing Carlo to a deal like that, like super long-term, seven or eight years at an AAV that usually you don't see with seven, eight-year deals. They kind of did that with uh, yeah. with John Moore last year, but obviously Carlo's good and would be somewhere in the, the $4 million range. I think that, that he's relatively easy to figure out, and if it came to a uh, bridge deal with him, then that would be easy to, to – to get done too, but you know, McAvoy is the big one. I, I look at what, what Truba got, and yeah, Truba's older, and this is his, I think it's his third contract versus his second contract. But if I'm the Bruins and I believe in Charlie McAvoy, I'm going as many years as possible and paying the premium on the higher AAV there to get it done. But now the Truba's signed, you're probably looking at eight million ish. If you are going seven or eight years. Yeah, I mean, you don't really have a choice of Charlie McAvoy. I mean, you can totally see where his camp is sitting. They're not going to take less than the, you know, maybe, you know, they'll take less than the the eight. They'll take seven probably, but they're not going to take less money for that because they'd be crazy. Because if if they're going to go shorter term, they want more money now because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen here. But, uh, yeah, the the Carlo thing is interesting, too, I think, because... if I'm him, I don't. I don't lock up for a deal. You're you're talking about a longer term deal because he's he's only really tipped, you know, got to kind of brush the top of the iceberg here. With the, he had the, a great, with the, he had a great he, postseason. He had a great postseason but, that showed he could do. If he does that in the regular season more regularly, he's obviously a lot more valuable than he is at this point in time. And I wouldn't. I, if I was him, I wouldn't lock up that long. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering what the market is going to end up being for players like him over the year. I mean, he's not. He's not Adam McQuaid back there. Like he's a he's a obviously a, a, a great skater, right. but he's just not much of an offensive player. And I feel like the NHL is moving towards, I guess not moving towards. It's it's always kind of been going that way. But you know you you reward the 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 puck moving offense creating defenseman, and I don't know how much more his numbers will improve year to year. I mean, to your point, people saw this postseason that he can be a really good shutdown guy who obviously is, is, is pretty fleet of foot, but I, I don't see, say he signs a, a three-year contract right now. I don't know how much more he gets once that three years is up. Well, I'm not going to sit here and mock Joe Haggerty because we had Wiggy on last week and we allowed him to express his opinion. That, but Kalman wants to rip his piece. Godfather of my children, you you watch your mouth. Okay, see, Haggerty wrote about the bees possibly missing out on the Lucic uh, contract swap with uh, James Neal. 
I, I read the piece. I thought it was it was worth an exploration. You hated it, Calvin. You wanted to just trash the guy. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at this po- at this stage to swap bad contracts. There's only one way to get, to fix to fix this problem, and it's, it's to, kind of a desperate to attempt by both teams just to hope that new surroundings uh, for makes it all better. Yeah. Oh and the, the the goal with the the goal with those sorts of deals though is to be is to end up with as few quote unquote <laughs> bad years, bad years right. as yeah. possible. So, um, so I wouldn't. I I, could, I, I would do that. I could Go almost ahead, ju- I could almost justify if it was a kneel for back as part of it to say okay we think this guy could plug in next to Krejci. He had a bad year last year playing for a coach he couldn't get along with. The guy, the coach, put him on the third line from the start of the season last year. It was kind of a lost year. At least the guy, you know, scores some goals. But we know, I mean, DJ knows all too well the uh, locker room presence that James Neal can be. Oh. That would be the anti-Bacchus. I, I was actually, just about. <laughs> I was. I was just about to say. Sorry to interrupt you. It's okay. Like, I'm, I always bite my tongue when things like this come. Like, why would you trade James Neal for Luchard Bolu? And it's like, you hate to say it, but it's like. Now that team has has to have James Neal on their team. Like there right. is, we fans. It's it's so weird the spots that fans pick in uh, the important uh, how much weight they put on intangibles. They'll see like a guy like smile in an interview, and they'll be like, <laughs> "Oh, he's just a good guy. You could tell he's a good guy." You could t- and then like uh, James Neal's not the, the the worst person I've met in my life, but. I mean, remind us, remind us why James Neal got on your bad side. He, uh, what did he do? <laughs> there were a couple of, he was, he's a, a, a rude interview, which that, that doesn't matter. I mean, uh, as far as intangibles on the ice go, that doesn't matter. But I was, uh, I was talking to Jerome McGinley the year that, right. uh, uh-huh. he spurned the Bruins and he's, uh, he, he's, again, is obviously the, salt of the earth so he's he's putting up with it and he's discussing kind of a a challenging subject for him this was within like three months of him doing something right it was right uh, before the conference controversial right right and he's standing in the background just making all this no like not making noise that that in that like he's talking to somebody he's just standing there trying to make as much noise as he can so my recorder doesn't pick it up and as I say this back, I actually think it's kind of funny on his part because he was kind of he was he was owning the media. <laughs> but even Aginla, like Aginla, was giving me a look during it, like, "Yeah, so, sorry for this guy." Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm I'm like, dude, who is this? Who is this for? What do you? Right. I don't like none of his teammates were like, "Yeah, buddy." <laughs> and uh, but that's just that, that's just one. I mean, he's. Uh, oh, I, I covered his whole career in Pittsburgh. He was like that all the time. I. They got eliminated in the playoffs once. He was screaming at me for interviewing uh, one of his teammates, just asking him, you know, question what happened in the game. He was just shouting like, "Shut up! Nobody wants to hear your questions." I mean, un- un- he's he is the worst person I've ever covered in sports media. I will say that. <laughs> okay. Wow. But, but it's not like I don't think it's in a David Price way where he uh, where he kind of acts that way, and his teammates are like, "Hell yeah, he's sticking up right, for right. it." The I, I don't really get. Yeah. I right. I, I think that the, the teammates are more like, yeah. Hey, sorry, he's doing this. Yeah. Well, hockey doesn't stand for that kind of attitude, and that's probably why he's on his fourth team in four years now. So, right. But it doesn't change the fact that Backus, despite being a good guy, is a pro- is a problem. 
Uh, so, I mean, oh. it, it's amazing. They're just going to – it looks like they're going to have to play another year with them, right? I, that's actually – so they're doing what I would have done with Seidenberg, where mm. I didn't understand what the rush was. I, I, don't, I don't know how you guys felt at the time, but – I really didn't see what the rush was with buying him out. The Bruins at the time were a uh, fringe playoff team. Uh, Seidenberg, I think, had two years left on his deal. And I was like, you're just going to have to eat one more year. Then either he's reestablished value and you can trade him and eat half of it, or you can just buy him out with one year left. Right. And it's, it's not um, as tough a pill to swallow. And they bought him out with two years left so they could re-sign John Michael Lyles. And I was like, well, yeah. what, is, is, that, is that a forward step? No. So I, I think with Bacchus, I mean, obviously uh, it would have been pretty prohibitive to, um, to, to buy him out right. this summer. I think you just got to wait the year. And again, like I guess there, there is some value he can provide in just – being there, I would think that uh, that Bacchus has a lot of pride, so that actually might become more challenging. Having a, a a player who, like, let's not forget, like, what a career, great yeah. player. One of my, I I remember, <laughs> I can't remember if I wrote this or not, but uh, this was when I thought that that Don Sweeney was really having a tough go of it as a GM, but I was like. Only Don Sweeney, the GM, could make me not like David Backus. Like, well, when they when they signed him to, like, like oh, oh, only such a terrible contract could make me be upset that we're going to watch David Backus play here. And it's just, I mean, obviously we, we've we've beat up Sweeney enough for for that deal over the years. It doesn't need to to be rehashed. But yikes! And it yeah. sucks too because every time. We, uh, I noticed this the other day, uh, or it was probably a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we were on NBC Sports Boston talking about the Bruins, and uh, Tom Giles brought up Backus, and he was like, now Backus, and you know, love David Backus, Greg has had a great career, great guy and everything, like, we do always have that preface, we're like, <laughs> right. we're so afraid to just say, there's a bad contract on the team, right. like, I, I don't think there was any... I don't think there's any buzz or rumor or misunderstanding that we think that David right. Backus, oh, of course. who's like this like American hero, <laughs> is a bad. Well, yeah, I mean, even after when he when he got in the lineup for the Toronto series, when he got back in the lineup for the Columbus series, I said the whole time the impact he's had. You can never criticize Backus the player or Backus the person. It's the contract, and it's not his fault. So you know that's that's the way it goes in this league. Yeah, I mean, I I think back to uh, Martin Lapointe a guy who kind of had to eat crap his entire right. career in Boston. And it's like, I don't think that he told the Bruins he was that <laughs> right. good. Exactly. I don't think that he likes that he and his agent like fudged the numbers to make him think he scored more goals than he did. That just happened to be the summer that Jacobs was like, Hey, let's sign a free agent this summer. And, uh, the only way that the Bruins could sign somebody was by overpaying someone. And, uh, I mean, would you say no to too much money? I certainly would because I'm an upstanding. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, yeah. So, so how would you? So, not to get, not to drag this on much longer. But how do you? How does this get fixed? I, I think that you have to eat this year of Bacchus. Yeah. And have a roster that how do you is get these, maybe a. How do you get these two oh, guys, signed these guys signed and get 
into the season compliant. That's the that, <laughs> that's 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 kind of the the trick of it. I mean, you could Giles says trade Halak, which I'm kind of scared to do, but that could be one solution. Kevin Miller, once he's healthy and tradable, I don't know where he stands right now as as far as being able to be traded goes, but I think that he's probably logically the, the piece that isn't going to, you're not going to get a ton back, but I don't think that you're going to have to eat any money there. That frees up realistically, what, a million and a half mm-hmm. because you still have to, to fill that roster spot. We, sure. uh, we, uh, I remember we used to get so frustrated. People would say, hey, tr- trade Kelly, so now you have $3 million free. I'm like, no, well, you have probably one to one and a half million dollars free because players don't just replace them for free. But I think that that's probably the, the, the move. Like, you move one or multiple guys who aren't making a ton of money, and uh, and that frees you up, but... It might be, I don't know, it, it, it might be more than that realistically because they're looking at what? They've got something, they've got under eight, is right. that it? Yeah, under eight and for two guys to sign. I mean, and They're you playing need hardball to, uh... with McAvoy. That's not going to happen. They're not giving McAvoy that deal. He threw out December 1st for a reason. They're going to try to lowball the guy and it's going to end up getting messy. I that think works so well for the Leafs, huh? I know. <laughs> that's what's happening, though. But you know what? If You can say, here's one, one area where I'll never even think of criticizing Don Sweeney is re-signing his own guys. I thought that he was, I mean, the, the, the Marchand deal was obviously the, uh, maybe like the first, hey, wow, that was a really good move by Don Sweeney thing because we, we'd yet to really know how things would play out uh, in the aftermath of the Martin Jones deal. That ended up, of course, being a, a, a pretty fair deal. But, uh, I mean, he's, the deal he got on Marchand was very fair. Uh, I, I thought I legitimately, for the first time, thought that an offer sheet might come into play when when they were taking their time with Pasternak. Uh, if 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 you guys remember <laughs> any of my uh, EEI days, I was a big stop freaking talking about offer sheets guy because I, <laughs> I just so age, agents will tell you they don't happen because teams are afraid of inflation, and yeah. if they're going to sign somebody to an offer sheet, it's got to be for an absorbent amount. Otherwise, all you're doing is creating a little bit of inflation, which is why the Canadians, I don't think, were given enough crap in the moment for their offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo. I think that we all waited for them to match, and then we were like, oh, that was so stupid. But really, in the moment, I imagine teams throughout the league were looking around and saying, what are they doing? Like, that's not a, that's not a no-brainer to not match. The only way, reason you should sign someone on an offer sheet is if you think there's no shot it's getting matched. Anyway, Bruins well, I can, I can explain to you why it was a good offer sheet, but we'd have to do it over a beer or something, but I can explain it to you. <laughs> oh, is that the... Yeah, Cal, uh, the... Calman is the Mark Bergerman defender of the uh, skate podcast. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. we've, we've found one. He loves action. Hey, you know what? It wasn't exciting, like, 18 hours... <laughs> That was that was a, the the one of the few moments this off season where the NHL took people's eyes off the NBA for a second. But to get back, you know, going back to your original yeah. point with uh, Wiggy and uh, how there aren't like these huge seismic moves, I feel like that's the only way that the NHL could ever take back some of the attention from the NBA in the Absolutely. summer. Because it's crazy. I remember even like as recent as three, four years ago. I'd be excited for NHL free agency. And, 
you'd watch the Sportsnet and all that, and you'd watch all those uh, those feeds. And now the NBA is so like, <laughs> almost unrealistically incredible in the offseason yeah. that you don't hear a peep about the NHL now. The hard cap, the owners look at it, the hard cap, is saving them money every year, year to year. They, they're, they're making more and more money. They don't realize the marketing and exposure possibilities they have where if they ha- if they had a crazy salary cap like the NBA has with all these exceptions and these different rules to actually create you know in- attention and excitement that would pay off 10 20 years from now even in cities where no one cares about the team but you know it's such a good point yeah you just, I mean I don't know if you've written that but that's a column like how the hard cap has oh, ruined the NHL it's and you think back to the to the uh NBA lockout, right? There was a brief NBA lockout a few years ago, yeah, right? Right. Uh, and I remember talking to basketball writers, and they were like, hey, so tell me about this NHL cap. Because seemingly, the NHL is doing it right, and the NBA has kind of <laughs> created this mess. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh, cool. People, people think the NHL is doing something right. Yeah, well, so basically it's just this. And you're, you're right. Like where, where people were once praising the NHL's cap, yeah. and I'm sure the, the board of governors still loves it. It it really has exactly. given way it, to the NBA to right. just take over the summer. Well, because the NHL owners only care. I mean, it, how great Jeremy Jacobs, obviously the leader in fighting for this cap. Well, how great does it right. make him look? Like he's not. He can't be accused of being cheap anymore because Don Sweeney he can't get these to the cap exactly, and you can't get these guys signed. But what is he really spending compared to what teams in the other in the other sports are spending? And what is he taking in in, t- in terms of just the Bruins? Never mind all the other entities he's got going on. But you know, you can't say, oh, Sweeney's not giving. You know, they're not giving into McAvoy. They're not giving into Carl. Why didn't they get in on Panarin? They they couldn't even be in on these people because of this hard cap. It saves them the embarrassment and still makes them a ton of money. But does it help the sport in the long run uh long after you know jeremy jacobs is on this earth no of course not well as you say no this, i mean this this is ahead. a separate column but the nba might win the offseason but it doesn't help them in the ratings because they still get trashed around here by the red Sox, even though people want to bash baseball but that's a separate issue for another <laughs> time go ahead write your column you and dj agree i'm not gonna interrupt before i let you go though dj do you give your approval of the skate going forward do you approve of everything that's been done we brought pete back so we kind of like bastardized the old show any uh, issues you want to get anything off your chest? Rip away. <laughs> no, I mean I've. Uh, I'll, I'll complain about the the hour whenever whenever uh, the the skate is on. I mean <laughs> that's a complaint that, uh, well, you, that you'll was... probably remember goes oh, back yeah. to the the early days of uh, Sunday Skate yep. when it was hey eight to ten. You know what we can do it. All right, cool. How about like four fifteen a.m. to <laughs> Like four nineteen a.m., but you don't get to do four seventeen and four eighteen. <laughs> so that's gonna be that's gonna be. We're only gonna have time for a quick call from Maria from Watertown and, uh, and Fred and New Hampshire. Uh, Fred New Hampshire. Yep. Fred New Hampshire, who of course loves uh, Lucci and uh, <laughs> L- Lucci and Krejci. Marcus and uh, Chowie. I told you they'll be naming all kinds of babies. Marcus and Charlie. Um, no, I've, I, uh, when I've heard it in the mornings, I've, uh, I'm obviously not much of a morning guy. I have uh, wonky work hours. So even we're doing this at 1150 and it's just, it's ungodly that I'm awake right now. Uh, but I mean, you guys were always, uh, Ken, you were always 
kind of the key to the first iteration of uh, Sunday Skate because I wasn't much of a, a host at that time, didn't really know how to do it. So so when you would come in, you would give us a, a, a structure that, that we were probably lacking. And, I mean, I'm always down to hear Pete's hockey takes and uh, Matt – and that's uh, Matt's always kind of been the uh, the my my Bruins beat writer whisperer since I was uh, yeah, you guys new at Restuccia and didn't know where to go. So, in all seriousness, I I love that you guys are doing uh, uh, a hockey thing. So happy to happy to talk to you guys and gl- glad that uh, glad that the skate hasn't uh, totally washed its hands of me. Not yet, and uh, we appreciate. Yeah, well, also shout out. Uh, you guys have a very good social media presence. I think that you guys are doing that right. Thank you. All that's right, that's thank Matt you. Kalman. That is yeah. all Matt. He is he is ferocious on Twitter. Ah, nice. Well, we welcome you back anytime. Thank you for trailblazing for yeah, us. Thanks a lot. Carry for on us. the DJ Bean tradition. Keep up the good work at NBC Sports. Yes, thanks, friends. All right, man. Take it easy. We had some listeners uh, to uh, the Skate Pod on Twitter. Follow us yeah. at the Skate Pod. We are soaring up near 700 right now, yeah, crushing the pushing off-day 700. podcast, which has some terrible debut uh, tonight. With, yeah. Which, by the way, Bradford is just so in the bag for. Oh, they have this launch party at Lord Hobo. You and I still schlepping around here in the studios. It's fine. We don't need the help. Uh, but anyway, uh, here were some listener uh, questions. What they wanted to hear about. See if you can address these in short order. Yeah. KHL uh, defection from Pavel Shen. Yep, that's a good sign. Get a seven-round pick from Russia. Anytime a Bruins draft a Russia, I never expect to see them ever again after development camp. So this kid's going to come to North America at least. So that's a good sign. How many roster spots legitimately up for grabs this year coming into uh, camp? Three. None on D, right? And just maybe three forward spots. Definitely two and maybe a third because you never know if you have to drop somebody from, the four, from one of those bottom six to uh, clear some... Cap room. And because of that, uh, Providence prospects under the radar with a shot of making the team, and Sinitian in particular, somebody was asking about. Do you well, think he could make yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, that's a cheap option for your bottom six if you ha- if that's the way you go to clear some cap space, um, if he ever gets it. But I don't, I'm not a Sinitian believer. Uh, college free agents. Yeah, they're always looking for those guys. And we saw uh, Cooper Zek come in during Providence last year. He's a kind of Tory Krug type. Not going to make say he's Tory Krug. No one is. Um, but a guy who down the road, you know, a year or two, little seasoning, could be uh, a puck mover on the back end for them. And Krug and, and, and Coyle gets lost in this whole thing. Krug, yeah. th- these guys are both p- coming into the last year of their deals. Uh, I think you believe, and I kind of do too, that the Krug contract is ready to be announced when they get their cap in order. It's kind of done. It's just the details maybe fine-tuned. You, I, am I putting words in your mouth? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I don't know about done, but, I mean, geez, if you've waited this long. Right. It's got to be. You're like, clearly planning on keeping him, and I can't imagine keeping him through and letting him walk. You know. What about Coil? Would they? Yeah, the Coil thing is, is they're going to have to get that done. I mean, maybe they wait a little bit on that. It's maybe not on the front burner here, but. They trust uh, him, right? I mean, it's not like they're in doubt of I, I, He was. You enough think, of a fit, although Johansson was there on the wing with him. Yeah, but I mean, you think he's enough of a fit just because of all this versatility and the fact that you do still have to look down the road at the David Krejci, even Patrice Bergeron heir apparent, and if yeah. that's not in the in the system right now, you're looking at you know a Beecher going two, three years from now, even turning pro to first learn the game. You're going to have to keep a guy like Charlie Coyle, so it's a huge it's a huge keep as well. And you know, you look forward to the next year's cap. It's, again, they're saying it's going to be a small increase because these. Morons keep <laughs> screwing themselves by not exercising the elevator. Yeah, and um, you know, when, when, as long as the player association is, isn't on the right same page with each other, this is what's going to happen, and it puts the uh, teams in a, in a bind. All right, Maddie, we'll do it again next week. Uh, another special guest, I am sure. Matt's back off five days of vacation, so he'll be at it 
on Twitter as well. Any final thoughts for the fans? Right, just keep following us on at the skate pod and make sure we kick the off day pods butt. And give us a five star rating. Five star rating on all the platforms. And then maybe we'll do what they do on some podcasts. We'll just start reading your five star reviews to <laughs> pump up our uh, pump up love, our morale. Love that. See ya.